Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is college football playoff Kurt. Yeah, or maybe Big Kurt. That's my thing. We're more college football playoff Kurt in the next podcast is how it'll be. I guess probably, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, another Um, week or two. Yeah, get yourself ready to go to... Be so excited to talk about yeah, that. <laughs> that's my favorite topic. That's what I look forward to every week. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for joining the podcast, listening, downloading, sharing. Numbers are, are through the roof. Let's keep them going. And we very much appreciate it. Maybe part of the reason numbers are good because there's a lot of good games happening. We're Man, getting great games the, yesterday. The meat of the conference races. More rivalries uh, on the on the TV screens to pick from for Big Ten fans. It's it's just been increasingly more and more fun as we've gotten into November. I think it's fair to say it's heating up, man. Yeah, starting to cook. Yeah, very much. Um, so we'll get into the games a little bit. Should we jump right into the weekly Eisman? Yeah, let's start off with the Eisman here. This guy. So a few honorable mentions. We're gonna start off with some honorable mentions. These guys did not win it, but how about Evan Hall from Northwestern? Evan, who? I mean, where did this guy come? I was from? thinking to myself. Chappie is about one of the few people on the planet that probably knew sure. he existed, you know, t- before 24 hours ago. Well, if he keeps running like this, I'm going to start calling him Evan Hulk because 24 for 220 with four touchdowns in his first start ever. I mean, right. he only had 15 yards total coming in into this game. Peyton Ramsey, another great game. I mean, you're just counting him every time. Tanner Morgan, kind of the same thing. Another great game for him. Shea Patterson had the game of his Michigan career for sure. Huge. 24-33 in a, in a rivalry game. 384, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Of course, Justin Fields, you know, just a just another a, Justin Fields. Just a normal line. half of football for Justin Fields. 15-19 for 305 yards, four touchdowns. Of course, no picks. He's 31-1 and one on the season. And touchdown to interception. So, you know, I – you know, I'll save it for when we break down the Ohio State Rutgers game because there's not a ton of things to talk about. But remind me when we get in there. Sure. All right. Well, Tyler Johnson, big game against Iowa, nine catches, 170 yards and a touchdown. But this is a little unusual, a little bit out of the norm for the Iceman. We're going with a defensive player. In the biggest game of the week, at the biggest moments, this guy stepped up, A.J. Epinesa, only had four tackles, three solo, two and a half sacks, a forced fumble. And I tell you, when he wasn't getting – sacks he was causing hurries he was getting double teamed a lot so it was taking pressure off the rest of the defensive line this guy is a big reason why Iowa won that game yeah um his stat line and just the overall appeal compared to last year is a bit down I think most people would admit that but uh in this game essentially Iowa's offense showed up in the first half and Iowa's defense showed up in the second half yeah and AJ Epinesa, and it's not AJ Epin- Epinesa or Epenza, uh, he was pretty much a big reason why I was able to pull that game out dang near single handedly. Yeah, I was sitting with a buddy uh, watching the game at a bar, and I just kept telling him, I'm like, watch 94. Just watch 94. Yep. The, this guy's good. Yep. And like, I look like a genius because like every time I tell him watch 94, something would happen. He would do something and disrupt something. And he's like, you're, you're right. Like, he's not a. A really a football guy that doesn't watch any he was impressed yep and they were pretty much moving him all around to try to give the uh, Minnesota pass protection something to worry about so they couldn't focus on him so much uh, he definitely came through in the end pretty much had the sack to uh, seal the game which led to yep. one of the more controversial uh, plays in the game but we'll get to that when we break down the yep. game 
Speaking of games, should we get into it? All right, jump right in. All right, so we got uh, six games to go through. I would like to very much apologize to the Eyes on Big community. I said there was one idol team last week, yeah. and it just it just burned me. You know, when you said that, that I thought to myself, I thought to myself, that can't, that be, can't right. be right. And, I still said and then, like, I was trying to think, but nothing was happening, so I just moved on in my yeah. mind. And I kind of was doing the same thing, even though the words yeah. were coming out of my mouth. <laughs> very, very annoying. Okay, three idol teams last week. Kurt Illini was one of them, but Maryland and Purdue also were idle. And I believe that's it. The idleness is gone. It's got to be over, right? I'm pretty sure it is. Okay, so first up, most weeks, I think this could have been right on the line for being one of the Big Ten games of the week. Penn State 34, Indiana 27. The Nittany Lions with 371 yards of offense to the Hoosiers 462. Yeah, pretty impressive. Um to me, what uh, what won the game here for Penn State is they just stepped up in the big moments, whereas IU kind of failed in the big moments. That was, to me, that's how you can sum this entire game up. I mean, look at Penn State's offense there in the fourth quarter. Fourth and one, they get it. Fourth and goal, they get it. They have an 18-play uh, drive, 75 yards at eight up, nine minutes and 10 seconds. Yeah. To me, that's just Penn State stepping up when you need to. I mean – Watching that drive, I was thinking, is this Penn State or is this the 1966 Green Bay Packers? I mean, they used to just churn entire quarters off of the clock, and that's what they needed to do then, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, obviously, you're not a Indiana fan per se. I mean, you, you've picked them out to be, yeah, to as a team. But I would say outside of, uh, or inside, excuse me, the Big Ten footprint, taking your favorite team off the the table. Mm -hmm. Indiana would probably be high up there for a decent amount of of fans around the Big Ten. Like, hey, you know, it'd be cool to see Indiana have a good year. Okay. Is that fair to say? I think that's fair. Um, And I found myself, you know, pulling for Indiana in the way that if they were able to pull this out, how good, how cool would it be for the program? Well, we've talked about the the steps that they've taken as a program this year, things that they've been able to accomplish this year that they hadn't done in the past, where they kind of get these opportunities, they can never take advantage of them. The next one to me was beating a helmet school, and especially doing it on the road in a tough environment. That would have been such a huge step for the Indiana program, and they they're just not quite there yet. That's what I was gonna say, but it's just, and I kept thinking to myself, Hoosiers. This is your chance. Like, it is setting up as well as it could be. And we said that before the game, but then during the game. I mean, it was a battle all the way into the second half. Like, they had their chances to win this game. I mean, it was a battle pretty much down to the end. And really, when you look at Indiana, what they did, they just – they made mistakes that just killed them. They have – they screwed up the one punt. They muffed another punt. They had a fumble. Donovan Hale had that touchdown. He dropped the touchdown pass. I mean, you change just a couple of those major mistakes in this game, and they win the game. Yeah, and I, you know, I hate to use this because I feel like I don't know. It's kind of a cop out, but there are times where you wonder if players look down at the name on the front of their jersey, uh, and that could be used for both for Penn State and to a certain degree against Indiana. Oh, that's but that's thing. how it looked like. That's, that's how it looked like in this game. It, that absolutely happens. Yeah, I mean, I think every team has their own complex good and bad. And, you know, it's just hard to overcome that. If, if you've been a team like Indiana that hasn't been able to do this and Penn State is just used to 
you know, showing up and beating Indiana. Let's be honest, they're twenty-two and one against Indiana now. So yeah, yeah that's it's psych- a thing. That psychology plays into it big time. Well, somebody whose psychology was in the right spot was Peyton Ramsey, the aforementioned Peyton Ramsey, thirty-one of forty-one, three hundred seventy-one yards. Also had thirty-one yards on the ground. That means he had over four hundred yards of total offense. So not to take away anything from Peyton Ramsey's performance, but on the other side, Penn State's defense, the once impenetrable Penn State defense with athletes everywhere, crushing people, kind of taking people's souls along the front seven. I I tweeted out at at some point during the game, um, the Penn State defense still has a ton of talent, but it appears to me that it's a ton of young talent that is starting to wear down in the latter parts of the Big Ten season. Yeah, I don't know. That may be what's going on here. I mean, they still were they still were able to slow Indiana down on the ground. They were still able to get to Peyton Ramsey, but just they were getting eaten up by these IU wide receivers. I mean, it was it was ugly. There's there's it, an issue in the Penn State secondary. There, I, th- I think well, there it's is. Fair to say. There there definitely is, but they're like they're also making mistakes that they weren't really making earlier in the year. Blown coverages. Um, poor tackling. It just it didn't look like the regular Penn State uh, defense. And that's where I, I it, you know, back to my points. I think they're just wearing down a little bit. Maybe there was something that maybe Minnesota staff put on uh, film. Sure, because Could some. Be. I mean, essentially, what I believe the defensive game plan was uh, going against Minnesota, and I would I think to a certain degree going against Indiana was okay. We might leave our secondary out there, but we're going to trust our front seven rushing with just four, or sure. maybe we bring you know an extra guy and blitzer, and we're going to get home and get the sack. They're just not getting there yeah. enough. Yitor Grossmatos has gone missing for pretty much the last three or four weeks now. Sure has, yeah. I, and and until that comes alive, this is what you you basically wind up with an exposed secondary and. You know, sweet baby Jesus, now's not the time to be having issues with the secondary and the and the defensive front. I mean, we'll break down the game next week, but I you know, I think we all know who's coming next. No, so the, you know, the, the a season for a team is like a story. It tells a whole story, right? And they were looking really good, really strong, but they're kind of tailing off here. This is this is like you said, the wrong time to do this. I don't see them getting better right now. I see them kind of regressing. And it this is just recently. This hasn't been some month-long, five-week-long ca- downward weeks, two, three trend. Weeks. But yeah, yeah. And, and obviously there's been a little bit of step-up in competition. That's going to have a lot to do with it. This Indiana team is gigantically overrated. Um, underrated. I mean, we'll, uh, excuse me, underrated. Um, I think I'm just used to saying overrated because I'm looking <laughs> at SEC teams. Sure. And, like One of the overrated teams we were just talking about before we sat down and started recording was, I mean, we openly laughed – at Navy being in the college football playoff rankings. Yeah. And we talked openly about Indiana being a team that should be somewhere in that 23, 24, 25 range. Sure. Uh, Navy went out and just got boat raced by Notre Dame. Yeah. And, you know, a Notre Dame team that got boat raced by Michigan. You're trying to tell me this Indiana team isn't better than some of those AAC teams oh, like that. They, they 100% are. They absolutely are. Um, and then, so uh, KJ Hamler and Wap Fillier both went out in this game. Yeah. Um, David Ellis is just like they're they're printing wide receivers in Bloomington. This guy steps up, has seven catches for 85 yards. I uh, believe he's a freshman. You look down the stats here. Speaking of Indiana being underrated, I mean they outgained Penn State uh, by quite a few yards, almost 100 yards. Had a couple more first downs. Penn State rushed for quite a bit more yards than them. But you look at the stats here, and, and you know they the rush were, now you. 
you kind of glanced over that a little bit, but you can't glance over the complete uh, uh, difference in rushing. They are, that, they, that, is, that is how you close out a team and win games is rushing the ball. 101 yards yeah. difference. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that's, yep. a, that's quite a big a big difference for in that game. But also uh passing wise, they almost passed for 200 more yards than than Penn State did. Yeah. Yep. But in the end, I do think the better team won. Um Agree. we thought this would be a close game. I dang near nailed the score prediction is it in this game, but Indiana had to go ahead and uh kick a field goal at the end, but uh in the end, like again, I think the better team won. These were two good teams. It's just that I believe Indiana should be ranked higher and thought of higher nationally. And then then to a certain degree, this Penn State win would look better. For, yeah. For back way that's true. It. I would like to see this game played in Bloomington and see what happens. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right, All right. with the win, Penn State moves to 9 and 1, Indiana falls to 7 and 3. Next up, Northwestern 45, UMass 6. The Wildcats with 410 yards of total offense. The Minutemen with 310. Wow. The Minutemen really put the ass in UMass. Am I right? Uh, Am they, I right? They sure did. I mean, but but you know what? Northwestern put the ass in there initially. I mean, it turned the ball over. The, that first quarter was so bad on both sides. It just you're watching. You're like, this is just really, really bad football here. We joked on the last podcast. Would there actually be one hundred thousand set of eyeballs combining both TV screens and, and you at know the what? Stadium There's, watching the game. There wasn't a hundred thousand people watching that game. You don't think so? I don't Not even think close. So. I, don't I mean, think how many so. people are at the game? Thirty-five thousand. I don't think it was that many. Okay, so let's say there's thirty thousand. So we we can't garner seventy thousand more people watching the again. Game. It's it's on the TV screen that's tucked away in the <laughs> corner count. of that the bar. If, if there is a if there's two hundred people in the bar, none of them count. The only people that count are the three people in the corner actually watching it in this in this vernacular that have money on the game, right? Pretty, <laughs> pretty much, um, dude. This was. I mean, you went down the stats for UMass, mm-hmm. and they were shockingly awful. And uh, you basically gave the the uh, comparison that they they were dead last and yeah, like they're, before. they're the Ohio State of college football except reverse they're on the, on the other, other end. Yeah. Aiden Smith could only muster seven of thirteen for seventy six yards, zero touchdowns and two picks. Did you see? Did you see the receiving stat line? Did Even you know so- that the only person that caught a pass for Northwestern was Riley Lees? He had seven catches for seventy six yards. He caught every pass. I mean, it is tough to have a receiving cord that's struggling this much. It's not just and the receivers. Yeah, I mean, just run, anybody just getting. No, I mean, the quarterback too. I mean, yeah. when you're when your passing attack is this bad, it, it's a three headed monster. It's the it's the receivers, it's the quarterback, and it's the pass protection. Absolutely. I mean, so I think what they decide they're like, well, you know, we're gonna try to throw the ball. We're gonna try to have an even balanced offense here. Well, hell, we can't do it. Let's yep. just run the goddamn like, ball. It. Let's just run it. Just we run have it a Big all Ten day long. offensive line and running backs. Let's just run it down their throat. That's what they did. Yeah. And uh, the UMass coach even said it after the game. He's like, you know, eventually they playing a decided. Big Ten team, you're yep. you're just going to get worn down at some point. And that's what happened. But yeah, UMass too had 227 yards passing, which is is just too many to too give many. up to a UMass team. Yeah. I think. Um, and they were missing like open wide receivers too. Their quarter two quarterbacks played quite a bit for for uh, for UMass. They they left yards out on the field, a bunch of them. They, so 
Northwestern's got things to show up on their defense, too. Yeah. Um, Northwestern fumbled the ball four times. They only lost one of them. At least they had zero penalties in this. Um, but, yeah, that they, they had the same number of first downs as UMass. Eesh. Not a whole lot of good things happening right now in Evanston. It is bizarre world. It really is. Northwestern Wildcats this year. I mean, to think what they did I mean, last I, I, year. When, in the offseason, one of us or somehow we got to find a committed stat nerd to do a deep dive on a conference champion or division champion that did a complete 180 from one year to the next like this. It's yeah, quite the thing. I mean, maybe that's a project for me. Yeah. I, I mean, I enjoy that kind of stuff. So, I, yeah. Go, you don't have to go back 100 years, but, you know, I've somewhat done so, recently. I've done some Googling. It's not something that's easy to find. No. But I, there's got to be some database out there that you can pull that up with. Yeah. We'll have to look at anything else to add or – well, oh, so, uh, you know, we were trying to figure out the, the, the term, you know, it's, it's an unstoppable force versus, immo- so it's a stoppable force versus a movable object, but Dave Rebson had a really good way. So we I, said on the podcast, I saw it on like three different, okay. I heard it on a different podcast, I saw it on Twitter, so. But we Dave Rebson from Big Ten Network, who's a, an alum of Northwestern. So. And obviously an eyes on big listener. It's got to be. But he had a very eloquent way of saying it. I wish I could remember. When he said I'm like, oh, that's good. That's nice. even better. Yeah. But I'll, I'll have to go back and watch. It was, it was just as they were uh, kicking it off into the game. I think Rezin's, he counts as silky smooth. He's smooth. I like Rezin. Yeah. He's would, a good dude. Yeah, very much so. So with the win, Northwestern moves to 2-8. and eight. Next up, Wisconsin 37, Nebraska 21. The Badgers with 482 yards of total offense. The Cornhuskers, 493 yards of total offense. I want to start by talking about Jonathan Taylor. Okay, just like let's give him some sort of Eisman lifetime achievement. I thought about because we could have put him down. You could have put him. You could have mentioned him. But the guy, first of all, he passes Herschel Walker for the most yards ever in the first three seasons, which is incredible. He just passed Justin Jackson and Archie Griffin for all-time Big Ten yards. So now he's only behind Ron Dane, who obviously played one more year than than him. Um, the, the, he had his 11th 200-yard game. Insane. Which ties the most ever. He's had three 200-yard games against Nebraska. And the, to me, the, the thing that's most amazing about this guy is his, his physical running style, and he never gets hurt. And he doesn't even ever seem banged up. I'm, isn't that crazy? Yeah, knock on wood as you say that. But, yeah, no, it is incredible. Because he he's, a, he's a physical style running back. I don't remember him ever sitting out a game. No, and we talked about that in the when we did the preseason on Wisconsin. We yeah. said the same thing. It, he's he's he, It's like somebody went in a laboratory and made one of the most perfect running backs you could ever have. Speed, yes. Vision, yeah. yes. Power. Health, yes. Yeah. Po- I mean, the only thing that... Fumbles, a little fumbly. Game was fumbly, yep. and receiving the fumbles have drastically reduced. Well, he did. He, have one he in had this one. Game, but yeah, it was, I was going to say his weaknesses were fumbling and uh, uh, catching the ball. Ironically, on a catch, he fumbled the ball yeah. in this game. But I mean, I I think uh, it's safe to say he's looked a lot better. And I mean, seriously, like we're we list off the weekly Eisman. We didn't even list him no. off because it's become... It's just normal. It's a norm. I mean, his stat line, 25 carries, 204 yards, two touchdowns. I guess the only reason it didn't pop off the screen is that he had consistent 
eight to 22 yard runs. He didn't pop off, no. you know, the big one. So I, uh, you know, so Jonathan Taylor to, to get our attention, you got to run for 300 <laughs> yards. I'm yeah. sorry, buddy anymore. Um, interesting enough game though. Um, Wisconsin very much for the most part, look like Wisconsin. The fact that, you know, the aforementioned Jonathan Taylor, Jack Cohn, not looking great. I mean, 13 yeah. to 21, 162 yards touchdown. No pick though. Um, never put his team in a bad spot. Um, so yeah, I mean, that kind of looks like Wisconsin, but now you flip it around to the other side. Sums up with the defense right now. Exactly. I think we've got enough things to point at. Um, even during the Iowa game last week, um, Iowa was moving the ball on the ground. They had a very high yard per carry, yep. uh, against Wisconsin. And then when they opened up the offense, they moved the ball pretty easily against Wisconsin. Um, the, the Wisconsin defense that looked like NFL teams would have a hard time moving against them the first six weeks of the year compared to this one, it's different. It doesn't look as good. It's definitely different. I mean, something changed, and it probably changed right around that Illinois game. I don't know. They, they, Illinois kind of figured out something, and maybe everyone else has taken a play from that. But if they keep playing defense like this, I don't see them beating – the the Gophers and winning the West they gotta no. they gotta short things up the right Gophers are gonna tear that, them apart on defense right now with the way these two teams match up and obviously we'll save that to the end but we've been saying all along that the way to touch up the Wisconsin defense is through the air I mean obviously Minnesota's got that in spades and yep. now if you start mixing in them having issues stopping the run yeesh I, I mean, mean Wisconsin, ne Nebraska 273 yards rushing and 7.4 per attempt. And one thing you want to point out is, you know, fans are oftentimes fanatical, uh, but sometimes fans are correct. In this case, Nebraska fans have been asking for Dedrick Mills since basically the first week yeah. of the year. Uh, there was, of course, lots of consternation about, you know, he uh, heading into this game uh, where Scott Frost play calling on short yardage situations along the goal line was was not good. They wanted to see them hammer the ball. They started hammering the ball with Mills from possession one yeah. in this game, and it worked. Absolutely, I, mean, I don't worked. know if I've said the sat line, but 17 carries, 188 yards, and a touchdown for for Mills. He was, and this was a game where once I found out that Wandale Robinson was out, and thinking that Wisconsin would defense would look like Wisconsin's defense. I thought they would just hammer down yeah. on Nebraska. I didn't see a lot of points and yards from Nebraska. Nebraska's offense came to play. They absolutely came to play. So it's, it's a great question. Where has this run game been? Why, why have they been hiding this all year? And there's been, again, a lot of consternation from Nebraska fans on the play calling. This was better play calling out it, of Frost. This yeah, it week. seemed like it. But they were also, not only was Wondell Robinson out, but Darian Daniels was out. Carlos Davis was out. They were playing they yep. were playing down. I think they lost Cam Taylor Britt during the game yeah. as well. So, um, the, so on defense, let's talk about Nebraska's defense a little bit. There, um, was, a, there was a general desire to tackle in this game. You think so? Just yeah. a little bit, a little bit, little inkling to tackle. Pass rush non-existent. Um, obviously, the run defense was was terrible. Um, I guess the, what I can say for them is they kept fighting, kept playing hard, no quit in them. Yeah. I'll give them that. But here's something that I want to ask about Nebraska. And this is my question to you. What is the identity of the Nebraska football team? Wow. Um, 
So I guess I got two answers coming through. I mean, number one, I know what they want the identity to be, but the second way of saying it is they don't have one. They don't I mean, have the, one. The identity that they want overall is obviously an explosive big play offense that works you on the inside zone, pops you on the outside, and then really when you start getting confused, they'll throw over top of you. I mean, we saw parts of, Some that, of that last year sure. with Ozigbo and the, a better crew of receivers last year last year and a better looking Adrian Martinez this year because of all of that that's not what it's looked at defensively they want to be a disruptive force uh, plays in the backfield force turnovers they're not doing any no, of that right now you, you know they had their first fumble recovery in big 10 play in this game oh really yeah yeah and that's bad not, and I know they went into this game negative three in turnovers on the year. Again, that is not what they want. Uh, and then looking up, so there was even one turnover apiece for both teams. Yeah, I mean, I think that's very much what they're struggling with right now is just that lack of identity. And giving up the kick, giving up the kickoff return there, sloppiness just kind of seems to be a hallmark of these, these teams right now. Um, the other thing is they were, so they were down, what was the score? I think it was 31 to 14 at one point, right? I think Wisconsin scored like went like on a thirty-four to seven run. They they you know ended they started the game off seven zip. So in some ways, I think this game was a little worse than it looked in, in the final score. Hmm. Okay. Um. I think a lot of Nebraska I've, fans have pulled a lot of positives. That's what out I was hearing game. too. But I wasn't um, feeling that way. Well, I mean, I would say this was a game. Every time Wisconsin scored, Nebraska would come back in the first half. So the response was good. Um. The turnover that that Nebraska had was the Adrian Martinez inception. It was a it was a backbreaker. I mean, that was a that was a that was a bad time to have. It's always, never a good time to have an interception, but that sure. was a bad time to have an interception in the game. But that kind of comes back to the things that that we've talked about before. You kind of just brought up now special teams came out of nowhere. It's like one of the of the three things takes turn falling apart at some point Absolutely. in the year for Nebraska. Yeah, and yeah. also speaking of disruption, zero sacks for Nebraska. Yeah. And, and obviously a very good Wisconsin offensive line plays sure. into that. But again, if your whole defense is predicated on disruption, you got to see more of that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So with the win, Wisconsin moves to eight and two. Nebraska falls to four and six. They officially have to win out to make a bowl. You know what I was thinking though? For these teams that wind up five and seven, yeah, they still got a shot. You still got a shot. I mean, Nebraska would probably be at the very top of the five and seven heap. I would think so because everybody knows their fan base is going to travel. So, well, yeah, but then it, it comes down to the the graduation rate when you're five and seven. So whoever whoever has the best graduation rate gets the the bowl nod. Okay. So I don't think it, I don't think they are able to take anything mm. like that into consideration. But mathematically speaking, you're still alive at five and seven. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Next game up. Yowser. Michigan 44. Michigan State 10. The Wolverines with 467 yards of total offense to the Spartans 220. So this is from Big Ten Network. Dave Revson put this graphic up. This is the most points, the most total yards, the highest yards per play, the most pass yards past touchdowns and first downs that Michigan has ever had against a Mark D'Antonio Michigan State team. Oh, okay. Just Mark D'Antonio. But isn't that, that's still bad though. Wow. Um, well, there's two things going on there. We got the struggles of the Spartans. 
on the other side of this, you know what this Michigan team's starting to look like? They're this, starting to look like Michigan. They are starting to look like Michigan. This uh, Here's my question. Is this, right now, the best that a Jim Harbaugh-coached Michigan team has looked? Wow. I think he, right now he has the best team he's had Second since he's been there. Second year going into Ohio State, they had things rolling. That that would be they the only have, other team. I, I mean, I, they should have won that game. The second year, that was the you that know, was the, the, the Spate year, right? The, the 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 spot year. I think that's pretty much okay. Call the game, but wasn't I mean, that they, wasn't that a Wilton Spate I, team? I think so. I mean, I would take, take Patterson. I'd over take Wilton Patterson Spade. over Spate. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about that. So I think this is right now his best team, and you know what? I, I Michigan fans need to give give me credit for that. Yeah, because remember me berating them after the Wisconsin game. That's when they woke up. I mean, granted, they still had a bad half against Penn State, but I'm pretty sure khaki pants listens and the, the Wolverines listen I think and, any Wolverine fans that were listening to this podcast right around that time aren't aren't thanking you or for much or sending you any fan mail I know I won't be getting soon. any fan mail but they <laughs> but should be sending it of, to me speaking of Wisconsin I mean I hate to bring this up but if we played Michigan Wisconsin right I now, think Mi- Michigan wins right now I do too They're, I mean it's almost like that was the bottom of the bottom for Michigan and the top of the top for Wisconsin. Yeah. And they started regressing or uh, whatever, increasing to the mean sure. ever since then. I mean, th- Michigan is a total, complete football team right now. They're playing well defensively. They're running the ball well. They're throwing the ball well. They actually did not run the well, ball well. Well, they didn't run the ball, but it's, a, but it's a Sparty defense. Yeah. Yep. But, but you could say they, the funny they've thing improved is, running the ball is, over the season. Right. Oh, yeah. What I had pointed out in the podcast, I mean, we both picked Michigan to to win and cover uh, in this game. Um, but the one thing I pointed out in the podcast was, you know, if Michigan State can muddy it up and really slow down Michigan's running game, because this is what Michigan has been hanging its hat on for the last month, mm-hmm. could this, you know, slow Michigan down and, and make this a game? Michigan State did slow them down, and it didn't make any difference. Then no. Shea Patterson just threw the ball sure. right over top of them. Sure. Um, and, and Michigan State comes out to seven zero lead, so they got outscored forty four to three to end this game. Correct. I mean, once they scored that touchdown, game over. Um, I don't even. I didn't even write down any stat lines for Lewerke and Elijah Collins. I've got it if you want to hear it. Lewerke is seventeen to thirty, one sixty six, one touchdown, two picks. He yep. fumbled the ball, didn't didn't yep. didn't uh, turn it over though. Elijah Collins. 12 carries, only 27 yards. I mean, you look down their whole stat line. Cody White had a decent game, six catches, 78 yards, but they just couldn't get anything going offensively. I mean, just same old story with, with Sparty. Um, we, Lewerke, you know, we, just, he's kind of – I think this is who Lewerke is. Well, I, and I tell you what, it's, it's crazy how when things are going great, great news just somehow, somehow finds its way, you know, into the press or onto Twitter – you know, a coach diving into the locker room after a big win and, you know, the the players go into a hospital and, wow, look at that. Then when things are bad, then bad things come. Sure. To it's just incredible how that happens. Like, yeah. on top of all the things with Michigan State now, there's been talks about uh, Brian Lewerke got concussed last week and the protocol that, yeah, that didn't sound good. and the medical staff went through. There's, you wonder how he looked this week. Is he is he healthy between the ears? I yet? couldn't believe that D'Antonio said that. It, that wasn't good. No, it was horrible. Um, things and, things are bad and getting worse. They are in East Lansing. Well, so let's talk about the defense for Sparty. They still have a good run defense, but they're just not playing like a regular Mark D'Antonio 
defense. I mean, they're kind of sloppy other than just being able to stop the run. Um, they're bad versus the pass. And Josiah Scott went out of this game again early in the game. So when he's gone, their Nothing's defensive back backs stink. And Urban Meyer pointed this out on the Fox show. He said, you know, looking at this team, looking at uh, – typically when you were looking at a Mark D'Antonio team – you had three guys. You had a guy at each layer of the defense yeah. that everybody knew was moving on to play Sundays. Can we name them right now? I mean, I don't think they got a guy projected being the first three, four, or five rounds. Probably not at this point. I don't think so. I mean, it just now, and part of that is because when the team's down, the players down. When the players down, the sure. you know the team defense is down, but it's off. It's all off. Um, it, it will be crazy to me. We can't go that deep into it now, but it'll be crazy to me if they don't make drastic changes I think you have to I I mean it just looks like you know there's there's a time for everything to end Mark D'Antonio's had a great run at Michigan State but you don't want to just you know keep driving this thing into the ground and I think that each year that you do it is going to be harder to come it's going to be harder from. to come out I mean their recruiting rankings right now are the, abysmal. they do not have a very good roster coming up next year no they, they don't have a lot of talent how about the chippiness in this game huh of course Awesome. But, I mean, it was on kind of another level, don't you think? Yes. There were seven unsportsman likes in this game. Yeah. Five for Sparty, two for Michigan. Yeah, I mean, I I would like to test this with Michigan fans. Like, yeah, I don't know if this is true. I was going to say they they want to win the Ohio State game more, but they hate Michigan State more. I think that may be possible. I think that may be true. Yeah. I mean, it does. Maybe it's just a respect thing. Like they have respect for Ohio State, but they don't respect Michigan State. Could that be it? Definitely. I I don't think that's without question. I mean, that they don't respect Michigan State, anyways. I'll take it that far. I mean, they should, considering the the more recent history. But Josh Metellus had a quote where he said, "We are we are classier than Michigan State after the game." That kind of gets into the Michigan man arrogance type of thing. There was questions coming up about did. Khaki pants try to run the score up. I, of course I, he I, did. Yeah, I mean, of course. absolutely and, he did. And I think I've come around on that. To I a have a little bit too. Like, I, it used to offend me, but, but I now don't. It's like, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to stop trying, right? You're it's, just supposed to like take. Like, a I knee? don't think you should leave starters out there no. because that's just stupid. But but even if you have you backups, don't, you don't put a backup in there and say, "I'm sorry, I just I don't want you to try to play your position as well as you can." Yeah, we're not going to give you a meaningful reps. We're That's just going to give you reps, and it's not good for the overall health of the program because if that person's called on, you'd like to have meaningful reps there for him. So yeah, I mean, if Michigan and and khaki pants was trying to rub it in, them's the breaks. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. How about the the Wolverines churching up Paul Bunyan afterwards, putting the yellow britches on him in the helmet. Did you see that? I did. Not. It was pretty cool. That's I, cool. It, it, it was the first time that stupid churching trophy looked up. good. Right. Just cover the whole thing up. <laughs> yeah. They don't, just, don't let me see any of it. They It'll didn't put a jersey on him, but they had these mini yellow britches that they put on him. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> All right. So with the win, Michigan moves to eight and two overall. Michigan State falls to four and six, our second team that now has to win out. In order to reach a bowl. Into the afternoon games, we got two of them. First up, Ohio State 56, Rutgers 21. The Buckeyes with 594 yards of total offense. The Scarlet Knights with 231. Kurt, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. You don't just stroll into SHI Stadium and cover 52.5 point spreads. No, you can't, it's nobody's ever done it, I don't think. I don't think so. 
It didn't happen this Saturday, that's for sure. So I mean, I gotta say, we were kind of texting. I, so this was during the Iowa game. Yeah. And cell phone coverage is just horrible on game day. And I and I can get texts for some, you know, texting. Sure. The data is not so big. And I just kept texting Kurt. Can you keep me updated <laughs> with the with the Ohio State records? Because I just wanted I wanted every time I picked up my phone to see twenty one nothing. Sure. 48 nothing 42 you know it was gonna be fun like yeah. it's 73 nothing you yeah know? that's kind of what I my prediction was I think 72 to three that wasn't in jest I really honestly I thought... actually thought that's what it was gonna be too I thought they were gonna hit 70 and I thought they were gonna prevent Rutgers from scoring a touchdown um but then I looked I, I can't remember if I saw it right before the game or right after there was a, I mean, obviously we know about Chase Young being out, but there was a laundry list of players that were held out of this game. Yeah. I mean, I didn't Dave bring... made the, he made a, a a definite business decision with us. Absolutely did. And they played a little bit sloppy as, as a result at times. But the, to me, the story here is just Justin Fields. I can't wait to see this guy play a full four quarters of football. Like, yeah. give, give us an opponent that we're, we're going to say it pretty soon, but give us an opponent where he has to play four quarters. I mean, it's going to be unreal, the numbers this guy posts. So speaking of that, I think it was J.K. Dobbins. If it wasn't J.K., I apologize to uh, Buckeye Nation, but the players got the question, you know, is it hurting your team that you haven't played any, you know, four-quarter sure. full games? Is that going to hurt you down the stretch? And I'm pretty sure it was J.K.'s answer that says, who says we're ever going to need four quarters? Oh, I love you that. You want to talk about <laughs> you, you want to talk about cock and balls, man. That, that is, is where this team's at right now. That is a great answer. But he yeah. he was he was uh let's see his stat line was fifteen of nineteen for three oh five. My God, four touchdowns. So I'll repeat, he has thirty one touchdowns on the season to one interception. I believe so, I believe he's run for ten touchdowns too. Correct. So my question is this. Why exactly is Justin Fields considered a deep, deep second or third place in Heisman candidacy to Joe Burrows? It what exactly like does this guy have to deliver a baby at halftime in order to make a splash? I mean, that would help, I think, if yeah. he, if he did that. Okay. Sure, right. I mean, because he's already sitting on the bench at that point, <laughs> he, he so you might time. as well. He has the time. Yeah, he's got the time. But it's ridiculous that a player of of this caliber at this university at on this team, I mean, we haven't seen an Ohio State team, all the great teams they've had. This one seems to be a little bit better, doesn't it? I yes. mean, this is the best. I mean, Ohio I think this is generally considered like one of the best. Let, let's do this. Let's let's put it this way. We still got two weeks left, right? We still yep. got two huge weeks left. Sure. To this point, this is the best Ohio State regular season team we've ever seen. I think so. I mean, yeah. I go back to some of those John Cooper teams. I know, but I do even, too. Like, it seemed like those Cooper teams. Because they were so racing. talented, but. Yep. I, I think this is better than any of those even. Because I felt like there was always a little bit of a deficiency here or there. there sure. There is no deficiency with we, this Not team. that we've seen so far. So we, so let me – my my brother asked this question, okay? Okay. So, so think three days ago, okay, yep. heading into this game. Um, we talked about you – you posed the question to me, could Ohio State get to 100 points yep. if they wanted to? I immediately said yes. So here's a question my brother okay. asked me. Okay. He asked me after we recorded, so I couldn't ask you on the podcast. But it's so good, I want to ask. Okay. Now, let's say we have a extremely focused, we're, the whole roster is playing sure. team. Sure. Okay. And, yeah. Okay. And there's they got to win. You know, they got to win this game, right? Okay. And they got to put up a lot of points. If Ohio State played with only nine on defense. Oh man. 
but we're full, you know, full 11 on offense. What do you think okay. the score of the game would be? Oh boy. Okay. Uh, and and throw out a over under for the game. Start with the over under. God, I mean it would have to be like it have to be like 100 points, right? We, we were we were thinking like 109. Yeah, it's <laughs> got to be over 100 cuz like the highest over under ever I think was like around 99 and it went over, right? Really? Was that, was was that, that bowl game? Yeah, it was Oregon played yeah, um was TCU maybe? Yeah. I think I took the over in that game. Did you? Yeah, that I can... It, it was, was the, right uh, around yeah, 100, okay, it, like yeah. 96. So yeah. it have to, yeah. Because yeah. I remember thinking like, it was like, a, I think the, the one I looked, it was like 94. And I took the over. People were like, are you crazy? I'm like, no, let's let's gamble. Let's see what sure. happens. I mean, right. I want to see that many points and it went over. But yeah, in this, cause, so in this, but in this oh. exercise, we would assume that Rutgers has enough talent to move the ball pretty easily on a defense that only has nine But players. you think nine isn't too many for Rutgers? <laughs> And I, I'm being honest. So, so you still think Rutgers would struggle moving the ball? I don't know. I'm just curious. I'm just wondering how many points they would score. We I mean, were, I, we were thinking somewhere like 30s to 40s, and then you I'm, put it. Yeah. And then you put 60 or 70 on Ohio. See, Ohio State would you would think would have limited possessions, you know, because theoretically, sure, yeah, the Rutgers 11 on nine would be moving the ball. Okay, well, I, I thought of another one while I was watching this game. All right. Okay, let's say that you told, like, you actually made a rule just for this game before the game, and college football agreed to it. Okay, the only way, Ohio State, that you get a W in this game is if you score 100 points. We don't care what <laughs> Rutgers scores. Like, Rutgers can score 99. You still have to score more than them, but you only get a win if you hit 100. So, th- so <laughs> they would hold def- on. They would definitely hit 100. So, hold on. So, they're motivated <laughs> at this point, right? Because the college football playoff is now on the line. Could right. they do 100 then? most definitely i think so like I, i'm not even not even debating that in my head <laughs> but that would be fun oh, man. um by the way speaking of this because we're just having fun right we're, we're being stupid um speaking of stupid brett mcmurphy tweeted out you know great teams cover their spreads oh gosh i mean I, could that guy i mean obviously he is 1000 percent trolling for attention at yes, that point but check he is as hacky as hacky can be he, check. like like when i when i picture the guys that i don't like pat 40 brain gall like they're at least trying to do their jobs yep brett mcmurphy is a sleazeball he absolutely is a sleazeball and he clearly has something specific against Ohio State. There's too. absolutely no question about it. So I mean those And that's what and that's who he was attacking. He wanted to see reaction from Ohio State fans. And by the way, Ohio State is number 1 in the country at covering the spread. Like coming into this game, games yeah. so, like points so it's, over it's the spread. Just the stupidest thing ever. What a what a moron. Like do you think he even knows that about Ohio know. State? I don't I do not know. What a what an idiot! Yeah, he's an idiot. All right, but hold on. Yeah, okay. Now a we couple get, positives stuff. for okay. Rutgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I Ohio State had a house call. Muffs that punt, right? Yep. And Rutgers, God bless them, great blocking. They opened a huge running lane for Pacheco. Boom, right in the end zone. Yeah, Johnny Langan. He played a, he a respectable right. game. Twelve of twenty six, one twenty one, one touchdown, a pick. Ran nine times for thirty six and a touchdown as well. Bo Melton had a pretty good game, three big catches, 57 yards, and a touchdown. So some positives there. And 21 points is the most points that Ohio State's given up this year in, in a Big that? Ten game. Who would have thought that? Yeah, so there. And that's why I said I, I kind of wound up being a little disappointed. I was disappointed in a way because I just wanted to see it like a, a pinball machine game. Just keep going, keep going, keep going. But 
I'll, I'll give Rutgers credit for for showing up, playing a hard game, and maybe building a little confidence for a down Sparty team next week. Yeah, at um, home. So a little bit more on Ohio State. We'll get into this more on the next podcast because it'll be uh, after the college football playoff rankings. But did you see how many yards rushing LSU? gave up was it 400 400 yards rushing to, to old freaking miss yes are they known as a running team uh, apparently they were on saturday and the question posed in the podcast i was listening to on the way back up to the minneapolis st paul area was at what point are we going to start looking at lsu's defense as a weakness oh we have gotten there i think so i mean and, and, and another thing the reason this it obviously plays into the college football playoff rankings debating who the better team is. I think it's Ohio State. The other side of it, too, is that is helping the Heisman campaign of Burroughs. Why? Right. Because Burroughs has to stay in the game longer sure. because their defense can't stop anybody. They, they got to score Whereas points. Justin Fields gets pulled out because it's 35 to nothing. Correct. All the time. And I'll say before this week, I haven't looked at the, 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 the stats after uh, this weekend's games, but LSU's had a good defense, like, you know, pretty good, but – not nearly as good as Ohio State statistically. I mean, I you know, LSU's in like top fifteen yep. area somewhere yep. around there, but Ohio State is clearly better than them, or Alabama for that matter. And their defense is clearly, clearly, clearly better. No, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, Just specifically de- yeah, defense. Right. Um, back to uh, Rutgers scoring three touchdowns. Ohio State had only given up eight on the year. Correct. Way to go, Scarlet Knights. Yeah, great effort there. Yeah, that was that was. Crazy. Um, yeah, but this one was no, never really it, a contest. Was, I mean, was, so I mean, obviously, I think we're being 97% facetious here with this. Obviously, Ohio State had an extreme disinterest in playing this game. They 100% did not want to get anybody hurt. Yeah. It, it was all about being healthy the last three weeks of the season. But just watching the game, Rutgers, on four, their first four offensive plays had two turnovers, one of which was just an amazing interception by Sean Wade. That was crazy. Looking back, one hand grabs it, like knocks it in the air, and it just amazing uh, play. They've their two corners are just ridiculous. With the win, Ohio State moves to ten and zero. Rutgers falls to two and eight. Last year, the Big Ten game of the week was the Big Ten game of the week. I think Iowa twenty three. Minnesota 19, the Hawks with 290 yards of total offense to the Gophers 431. Big difference that stood out to me in this game was how the two teams operated in the red zone. Uh, Minnesota could not get the ball into the end zone, you know, when they got in the red zone, and and the Hawks were very efficient once they got in the red zone. Um, Iowa won by basically stopping the run and getting to the passer. There you go. Um, so I'm going to give a shout out to somebody that uh, follows me on Twitter, and I follow him, uh, Ray Ortega, at Ray Ortega. Earlier in the week, he put this tweet out, and it and it basically set my mind on what I had already seen in my head, and then he gave me the confidence to go with my prediction. He said, I was going to have uh, where the hell's that been all year game versus Minnesota, sure. aren't they? And I'm like, yes. Yes, they are. Because here's what I saw. I saw something come alive versus Wisconsin. And mostly that was with the interior line. The much maligned sure. guards for Iowa got healthy in the, the uh, idle week before Wisconsin and looked better. Yeah, um, It was a bad offensive game plan and just overall thought process 
to, to attack Wisconsin. I think they finally said, screw it, we're going to attack, and attack they did. They came out on this game in this game with crisp play calling and execution, and that was kind of it. There was basically two halves of this game, the the well, the first half and the second half, but I'm just saying how Iowa looked in the first the first half. They got out to a, a, a 20 to 3 lead, 20 to 6 at halftime. It was because they just they they just got aggressive and executed. Sure, and I'm not going to disagree with that, but they got touchdowns on their first three possessions and they didn't do much after that, which I have to give credit to Joe Rossi's defense for adjusting Must to have. to said very good game plan that yeah. I, the the Hawkeyes came out of the the locker room with. So what was most intriguing to me on this game, and I think it was very much shown out in the first half, but probably the whole game too, is this. Okay, Minnesota is pretty much impossible to stop their offense. Yeah, you're not going to stop their offense. You just got to try to slow them down. Correct. So when that is the case, you have to pick something. Pick one or the other. Yep. Now, there are times when I can look at a football team and say, I don't really know what's happening. There's times I can look at a football t- game and say, I'm pretty sure. This is one where I'm like pretty darn definite on what the game plan was for okay. Iowa. You, they, the Minnesota offense puts you in a conundrum all the time. They suck your linebackers in and they hit the slants behind yep. you. I don't think this is rocket science. No, that I'm, really not. Um, so what Iowa did is, and I had said last week on the podcast, if Minnesota can run the ball effectively, I was screwed. They will not keep up. I was sure. going under the assumption that Iowa could control the line of scrimmage in the running game. That that they did. That's what happened. They did. At that point, what Iowa did was consistently drop defensive ends and linebackers back into the passing lanes mm. to make it increasingly difficult for Tanner Morgan to hit the short passing game in the inside uh, and he, screens and slants. And he struggled, man. I mean, because he's a, a shorter quarterback and Iowa has taller, long arm defensive ends. But the problem with that is when you do that, you're not generating a pass rush because you're not rushing. Because if you rush, you get, you know, past the, the quarterback. So he just but, sat back and chucked it down the, the field. But they were I, still getting to him sometimes. Towards the end when things kind of readjusted. That was what I – does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, they basically took away their, their short passing game. They Definitely did. I mean, on the interior. And it got Minnesota's offense out of sorts. I, there, I can't tell you how many times that you saw Tanner go back, make his read, and then he just – he froze. He didn't wasn't what, there. He didn't know what to do. He had people – he had – I'm going to say three or four balls batted down at the line of scrimmage. And he had a good game. Don't get me wrong, but he wasn't progressing to his next read. He wasn't because he, he's just so used to that being open That's and I'm not saying. even having to make the read, just make the throw. Yep. And he, he, he was struggling with that all game. Um, when, however, when the ball was out of his hands and he threw the ball downfield, I sat in a different seats at Kinnick in this game. I was uh, closer to the field and, Depth percent. I was on the. I was in the end zone. My seats are usually up in the stands, but I was in the end zone, and you lose the depth perception. It kind of it's tough, you know, telling if somebody got five yards or fifteen. You sure. cannot tell. But what it does give you is Allie was to watching the play. Okay, and I, I had Tanner Morgan when he steps up and throws. He throws a confident ball. Yeah, and it's an accurate confident ball. You want to know why? Because his receivers are amazing. Every Hawkeye fan in my section. Every time the ball would get out and the wide receiver would catch it, it was just like 
Keesh. Like yeah. these guys never drop it. They are well. They amazing. did have a few drops. They did, but the overall thought process from Iowa fans is these guys are incredible. Like they always shake loose from the defender when the ball was deeper down the field. You know, God bless his soul. I'm not going to say his name here, but you know, our safety had no chance versus those wide receivers. No. I mean, they're they're just a, a class of athlete that that hardly anybody has in the secondary, yeah. and and Iowa doesn't. I don't care what team you follow. If you don't enjoy watching uh, Minnesota play on offense and watching those wide receivers, I mean, it, it, it's just a treat to watch them every Saturday. They are they are a blast to watch. And and shout out to to I mean, you talked about Joe Rossi. He deserves oh my God. credit, but how about hey? How about uh, uh, Phil Parker? We were without Michael Ojemudia. That's yeah, our best. That's true against the, that trio of wide receivers. That's a good point. I mean, that's game plan right there. But I'm going to go back to Joe Rossi here. They only gave up 85 yards to Iowa after those first three possessions. That's a defensive adjustment right there. Yeah, and I think uh, a lot of that does have to do with a little bit more conservative play calling in the second half. Yeah, and I, it almost it almost stung. Uh, Iowa, because Minnesota definitely came back in the game. Um, so, I mean, obviously a, a great win for Iowa. Um, not where the, the team wanted to be at this point, but getting a signature win like that is huge. Obviously, getting the pig is a gigantic deal for fans and the team alike. Uh, so, so a big win. Um, then, of course, there's been stupid things because it's 2019 and Twitter. Um, I took off. I got the heck out of there because I wanted to have my chance to get home before traffic. Uh, mostly the student section stormed the field. Okay. Was, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was sure. – so, but it, this is a thing. You know, there's a couple different fan bases. One of them's Iowa State. I'm not going to name the other fan base. But, I mean, it was a top 10 win. Who's to tell – a 19-year-old kid oh, from Dyersville, know. Iowa, if right. he's supposed to storm if he if 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 Brad wants to storm the field, he's gonna storm the field. I don't know that Brad so, the ATO, if he wants to storm, yeah, go for it, Brad. But when I was at Illinois. Nobody's named Brad anymore, I don't think. No, 19, but I don't know. I Dylan. Dylan. Dylan the ATO. Dylan is way, <laughs> way better. Um when I when I was in school, I always wanted to storm the field. That was like one of my hopes and dreams and I never got to do it not at Illinois I did it at Ole Miss okay and I gotta say it was awesome storming the field so if you feel like storming the field storm the goddamn field you go you go storm the field why yeah. not yeah don't tell me if I can storm the field don't hurt that, anybody so. but if you don't as long as you don't do that have fun um another thing I want to say is uh great job by PJ Fleck uh he pulled the team a good 10 15 yards off the line of scrimmage to wave at the children's hospital. Yeah, it was a it was a classy act. And I thought Casey O'Brien cool. was sitting right next to him when he was doing it. I believe. Okay. Uh, the the you know the, the guy that had cancer on, on there you go go for team. So that's cool. That was cool. Um. So uh, we got to talk about this because uh, I was going to say then there was a not so good moment. Yeah. So PGA. Fleck running onto the field after I can't remember which uh, defense. Dan Morgan. Well, no, no, it was for Tyler Johnson. So oh, Ty yep, yep. Tyler Johnson gets hit the unsportsmanlike the kind of a little bit late there was I didn't think it was that egregious but whatever they they throw the the flag and PJ comes running out there and I kind of missed it at first I'm like then I'm like wait is that PJ Fleck out there and then they flag him for unsportsmanlike it was a it, huge play in the game. Well, it wasn't that big. I mean they were Iowa still was going to get the ball, ball back. back. Yeah, so but it was instead of being offsetting. it they would have been. Iowa would have been pinned way back. 
So instead of that, they ended up at like the 20-ish right. yard line. I can't right. remember. So it just changed field position a little bit. It was, I'm not going to say it was a small thing, but what a what a boneheaded move that was. Yeah, that was. What was he thinking? He was thinking about PJ. I And he said, he, he was say, saying that uh, Tyler Johnson was motionless. I watched the, he was never motionless. He got right up off. Yeah, I, don't, got, I don't think he was on the turf for three seconds. No, and he he reached his arm up and somebody helped him up. He was never motionless. And PJ said the refs told him he ran too fast onto the field. I don't think you can be, as a coach, you can be on the field, period, unless there's like some stoppage, like a timeout. I mean, he gave the refs that, no choice but to throw the flag. Correct. Yeah. I, I don't know what PJ's odd. thinking there or why yeah. he's trying to defend himself. You cannot run. That's why you have get-back coaches. You get flags for coming onto the field. That's just a thing. I don't know the official wording of that rule. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. I've never seen that before. Yeah. I mean, you'll see a head coach come out on the field eventually if a player's injured, let's say, but just running out just because the, 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 the whistle blew, I don't get that. I don't know what he was thinking there. That was a just a boneheaded move by him. Odd. Um, yeah, so... Iowa is something like 642 and two under Ferentz when running for 100 yards or more. I'm joking; it's yeah. not that much, but it's something like that. Right. So that stat bore out again. But you you nailed it. Like second half, um, AJ Epinesa just took mm. over. I mean, there was a strip sack. Uh, Iowa wound up with six sacks in the game. Statistically, Minnesota had more yards, and I'm not saying that's that's nothing, but I really do think it just had to do with the fact that. It was twenty to four right. at halftime. Twenty to six. Twenty to six, excuse me, at halftime. And Iowa said, We believe we can essentially vanilla this up, play good defense and win the game. That's what they did. But the, isn't that what they always do? That's kind of you never see Iowa five hundred, six hundred yards. No, I didn't that, like that. I the whole time at halftime when I was talking to, you know, fellow Hawk fans, I'm like, you know, twenty points ain't enough. We gotta get at least uh, seven, if not ten, more points on the board here for us to pull this out, and almost everybody agreed. As it turns out, three did it. Uh, but yeah, you know, and, and let me say this: so, so with the win, Iowa moves to seven and three overall. Minnesota, quote unquote, falls to nine and one, but still control their own destiny. The Rose Bowl, R O W S Bowl. Ah, good it's one. Still is still very much. Boy, we're gonna alive. hear a lot of that if they go oh, to the it, Rose it's Bowl. Coming. It's, it's yeah. coming. Yeah. Oh, I didn't so think about that, that is very much uh, alive. Uh, the weird thing is the Northwestern game next week is somewhat meaningless. I mean, it, it's not. Don't get me wrong. You want to still? You'll have a much better resume to go to the sure. Rose Bowl if you win that game. Tanner Morgan got concussed late. In yeah. this game, or that's what the the quick diagnosis was. Yeah, and hopefully you don't need him against Northwestern. Right. Um, but I, I will say Cole Kramer is is not a great backup yet. I mean, young guy and doesn't Cl- have a great Clark arm. Clark is in there too. I mean, I'm. I, I didn't it'll see be, Clark in yeah, there. I don't know what they 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 brought in. Only Kramer. Yeah, that I saw, which I thought was was interesting. That was strange. But, uh, yeah. So we got to bring this up. Kirk Ferentz is now at 95 Big Ten wins. That's puts him in a tie for fifth place overall with Joe Paterno. And I think if he wins one more, he ties uh, Hayden, Hayden Fry, Fry, right? Isn't that crazy? That'll be interesting. Yeah. Well, is that about it? Yeah. Again, Gophers, you still control your own destiny. Sure, it's a big loss. It's a rivalry loss, but everything is still out there for you. And I only I got one last thing to add. What do we eat? What do we eat? Gopher meat. Gopher meat. How do we like it? How do we like it? Raw, raw, raw. What do we eat? What do we eat? Gopher meat. Gopher, Gopher meat. How do we like it?
Raw. And I guess that concludes the Eyes on Big podcast. This is Big Kurt at B1G KURT. Talk to you soon. <laughs>